Hello and welcome to the Innate Strength Way podcast. I am your host, Leo Daniel Ryan. You're here to be inspired and empowered to restore your health, build strength, and live your greatest life. Let's get moving. Hello and welcome to episode one of the Innate Strength Way podcast. On today's show, we have former Intercounty player Neil Kane on with us. Neil is also a client of mine I've been working with over the last year or two, and you are going to love his story. It really typifies what, what the Innate Strength Way is about. Neil specialized in Gaelic games early on in his life. He played uh, county football for Meath for under-16s, minor, uh, under-21s, and at senior level. And he absolutely loved the sport, and he set himself some big lofty goals in that sport. And as you'll hear on the podcast, that those goals were ultimately the breaking of him too. Uh, led him to suppressing emotions, it led him to uh, multiple injuries, which ended up ending his career temporarily until he was able to dive deep into himself, find out a little bit more and gain a little bit more perspective on his life. And then he had, of course, his beautiful hero's journey back to the top again, only recently. So I'm not going to say too much more in the intro other than sit back, uh, enjoy the listen and uh, let us know what you think of the story uh, when it's all said and done. Have fun. Neil, you are very welcome to the Innate Strength Way podcast. Delighted to be back here in the shed. Yeah. <laughs> it's changed since last time, right? Yeah. I've added in a little bit of a sauna, changed things around. It's, uh, it's nice. It's, it is, uh, yeah. It's come together lovely. It is surprising what you can fit in such a tiny little... It's great. Room, like, you know? It's great. Did you see those tiny homes out there now bring out as well? I'm on it, man. I'm You're in, on it, yeah. I'm in the middle of... Like, so we, we, we just finished building the mobile home. Oh, yeah. Well, not building, like, we converted the mobile home, like, but it's... 36 foot long which is 12 meters 11 okay. point something meters long okay that's um, I think this is 12 that way e- no no it's not meters that's feet <laughs> yeah 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 so, so this it's probably the same width as this 3 point something to 4 meters 3 point 8 yeah. meters wide yeah by 12 meters long brilliant and like are you just, I, know, I know you're heading out to Australia yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know but at least it's there when I get back but uh how could you ever like in my head there I'm thinking like how could I ever live in a big house? Like, because I'm so hoardy. I I love hoarding stuff like okay. sports equipment. Like you hate me. I just pick it up and throw it all out. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What are you doing throwing it out the window? So <laughs> I so I need a small space that I have to only have what I need. Yeah, do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like I have a boat there at home. Like that I used twice. I have no need for a boat. Like I know Neve did. <laughs> Neve did come out with it when I was swimming, and I use it as like a support. But in my head, I'm there thinking. What if I need that now next year? But like, I don't need a boat, you know. So, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, let, let's dive into this a little bit. Um, I brought you on, and you were. Mm. Going, mm, I don't even know when I've been brought on. Yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, your background is as a GA footballer, and mm. you played for me, mm-hmm. and had a few injuries yes. along the way, mm-hmm. and uh, then started to dive into health practices and, and movement practices to mm-hmm. restore your body. Yeah. And that's taken you to where you are today. Yeah. And really, what I want to do is dive into that journey, just for people who. You know, think of, imagine you hearing your story when you were a young lad of, of 16 or 18 and you're, you're open-minded to mm. going, oh, okay, training, this is this is a, a, a 
perhaps a better way for me to train or a more efficient mm. way for me to train. Mm. And that's really what the theme of, of the whole of the innate strength way is about. It's, it's about using those challenges um, that life presents itself, whether it's injury, for some people it's a change of career, a breakdown in a relationship, or they invent their own kind of challenge for themselves by like climbing a mountain. Mm. But using those challenges to get more aware of their life and what inevitably happens is that they see that in the training of the body, it's a reflection of how they deal with life and how they understand life and how they move through life. Yeah. Grow yeah. internally and it will manifest externally. There you I go. I had it written on my wall when I was 15. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Did you listen to it? <laughs> so, Elliot, I would have followed like Elliot Hulse's work. Yes. The, the strength, strength camp stuff when I was like 15, 16. And it was whatever about his approach, which turned out that he was one of... Paul Jack's guy. guys yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's not the first person that I've come that I've like oh I follow this guy and they come back to him which yeah. is a funny story so we'll come back to that anyway but yeah I followed him for years and one of his big things was that like you know working in working in mm. gr- like learn more about yourself work on your your characteristics um, your mental strength stuff and it will manifest externally and then when I went into college then projects in first year second year or on mental strength stuff. Then I done my thesis then with Marcus Lawler, um, the 100, 200 meter sprinter. He was in the okay. Olympics, 2021, Tokyo. Right. Um, so myself and himself done our thesis on um, mental skill, mental strength training and the differences between team athletes and individual athletes and stuff mm. like that. Interesting. That what all, did you do in college? Uh, sports and exercise management. So Where was that? Carlo. So okay. when you look yeah, at a CEO, it was the uh, GA course. Yes. So it was the one that you get into if you're good at football. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was full of lads who had really low points in their leaving. Some guys had high points, but a lot of lads with really low points who were just good at football. Yeah. But then it turned out to be a brilliant course. Like it was... Brilliant. Um, no, I loved it. I loved it. Some people hated it. But mm-hmm. you know, I got loads out of it. I got a job out of it straight away after college. Um, with me GA then that led me to teaching um, which then led me to other stuff and then I ended up doing the, the personal training and yoga and stuff um, but yeah no it was a brilliant course it was a mix of your business stuff mm-hmm. um, accountants which accountancy which has come back to me now that I've started my own business that you know I have oh, I better keep track of this stuff. yeah yeah I've got these basic things you know I remember doing them thinking what the fuck are we doing this and it was so hard back then it's like thank God, you yeah. know. You know, it's, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. when you look back, it, it's very easy to look back at things and say, "Oh, that all makes sense now," Do you know. But it didn't make sense when you were in college. It's um, funny when you say that. That happened to me twice in in school. Mm. One was I studied art in secondary school, mm. and uh, I got on. I was granted like got by fine and did a decent leaving cert in it. But it wasn't until I went to Rome. And I walked into St. Peter's Cathedral and I saw uh, La Pieta there on my right-hand side. And I was like, oh, wow, shit. this. Yeah, yeah. Then I understood art appreciation. I understood art history. I understood setting up an art gallery, which mm. was a part of uh, one of the exams as well, was uh, how our gallery set up and the lighting and things yeah. like that. And I was like, ah, this all, this all makes sense. Why didn't yeah. somebody just bring me to Rome? Yeah, yeah. And the other side was when I went, because I'd studied business as well in school, mm. in secondary school, didn't get it whatsoever. My head just, just didn't, well, I wasn't tuned into it. 
But when I, I did sports, uh, sports management in UCD, mm. and when I was in the diploma there, and they, they were relating all to football teams and to tennis clubs, and I was like, oh, I get this stuff now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that's that's a thing of when you get older, that everything just starts to make a little bit more sense. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you look back and even things like being in school, thinking, oh, learning Irish is a load of shit. Like and it like it was very difficult for me doing Irish. It still is, but. Um, as I got older, you learn the importance and of of having a connection to your native language yeah, and yeah, yeah. the beauty and the depth of the Irish language is not just like you know Mancon's book thirty two words for field like there's mm-hmm. thirty two words and probably more in the Irish language to describe a field. There's a mm-hmm. word to describe a field that has a big rock in it or mm-hmm. a field that only has sheep in it. Mm-hmm. Do you know like there's such beauty in that, but you couldn't you don't realize that when you're younger yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean yeah. and if I had to realise that when I was seven years old I might have done my homework but <laughs> do you know, but if I had done my homework I wouldn't have been a good footballer because <laughs> I got home from school dropped the bag and went straight out of the field yeah, do you know what I mean so yeah. you know that that's part of growing older is that yeah but the other thing is you're, you're, you're more time on the planet so you, you cycle through different phases of your own life mm. and other things become important during different phases of your life yeah. and at that time football was the be all and end all for you mm-hmm. and now you might have moved into a phase where Irish culture and language is something that you just mm. have to grow for and you're like okay yeah. I'm on about this yeah. it was actually more just getting so excited just get out, <laughs> <laughs> oh god no 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 not much Irish <laughs> <laughs> we'll just so, say save for the next podcast. The, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll, we'll do an Irish version. Use your car, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> so let's drop in then. Um, let's start with your football, mm. uh, and we'll we'll start there, and then take it as we go because you you did play football to quite a high level, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And for those, we we hope you'll have some international listeners that are that are listening to this from abroad. So. Um, in the football that you were doing, it was Irish football, it was Gaelic football, mm-hmm. which is it's an amateur sport in Ireland. I think the guys are about semi-pro level. Mm. Now, yeah, yeah. they like to think they're a pro level. Mm. And by the way, I'm one as well. Like I come from that background. But it, it's about a semi-pro level in terms of time and commitment. Mm. But it certainly is becoming more and more... You have to be more and more dedicated from a younger age now. Um, because there's that many playing and that many guys that are switched on and girls that are switched on mm-hmm. that if you want to be the best of the best, well, then you got to put in the time and the energy yeah. and the commitment. The standard is gone way up even like even between the time so i was in called in in 2018 so for the 2019 season with mead yeah um so i was there for a year uh and then sorry it's like two years and then covid came and then i took the year whatever but when i came back then a year and a half later Mm -hmm. the the standard of the young lads that had come in Mm -hmm. by the time i was gone there was lads in who were hitting, we say, maybe 34 kilometres, maybe 35 max speed in a championship match. Mm-hmm. And that was really high. Mm-hmm. To know that was a good standard. Mm-hmm. When I came back, there was two or three lads, young lads, who had came through the whole underage academy system with Mead, who were hitting 35k every single training session. Mm-hmm. Pre-season, when the ground is heavy. Like, that's the standard of athlete that is now coming through. No, like, obviously, like, you know, running really fast doesn't make you go to football no but it's what you have to do you it. you have to do it and that's the that's so he, the standard what's coming through here's a really interesting conversation conversation i think because i see this reflected in many parts of life mm. um let's give it let's take another example right 
I remember last year watching the All-Ireland hurling final. Mm. And it was Limerick and Kilkenny. And the full four for Limerick, I, I actually don't know his name, but he's regarded as one of the best full forwards around. Unbelievable guy. And the, the commentator is like, wow, look at him. Like, he leaps so high into the sky and he's such an unbelievable. We've never seen anything like him before. And the same with David Clifford in football. Oh, he's out of this world. Like, it's just his attribute. But if you actually look at it, the difference is these guys are six foot five, and they can move and they can play football. And now there's teams of them. Like I think there's five to six of the Limerick hurling team over six foot four. So these guys are tall, they're strong, they're fast, and they're skillful. Yeah. Like for a small guy like me, I'm five foot eight. Mm. To go up against a guy who's just per stride like him taking one foot step I probably need about six foot steps yeah that of like it's just such a specialization because there's so many people in the world now um, and there's so many people in each specialized area that to be a specialist footballer to be an elite footballer to be an elite herder to be an elite anything yeah. you just have to one you have to have the genetics you have to be lucky yeah, you have to have the talent. And then there's so much work that goes in underneath that. Yeah. I think it's very different to, let's say, the 70s where, let's say, um, you might have had one or two footballers and they might have trained once a week if you were lucky. Yeah. But they're still regarded as some of the greatest footballers of all time just because of the generation. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see um, a YouTube video popped up on my feed there recently of, like, greatest Colin Cooper moments. Mm-hmm. And it was only looking like whatever his debut was. I don't know what age he was, at how small he was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wonder how he would get on. Probably, he'd probably rip it up still. But how would he? Like, is, is everyone so much bigger now? Do you know, like, he, it's the eternal debate of sport. But I, th- I think he'd be walked, wiped off the pitch. Yeah, absolutely clean, wiped off the pitch. It is. It is. It's hard. Like, but even, like, I suppose he was still performance of a high enough level and the strength and conditioning had still was still at a quite high level when he was finishing up and even the likes of um jamie clark from armagh mm-hmm. i know it's like the, the the rumors that he wouldn't he'd never go into the gym or he'd never do anything yeah. more like he wasn't a built guy but that he could move he could run mm-hmm. very like, he was very quick but he was i suppose he was also kind of tall as well but yeah you, you'd wonder if if that type of player that's not um, I'm not going to say that conditioned because they probably they were really well conditioned. No, not, 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 not as focused trained. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, would they survive nowadays? It's yeah. it's an interesting question. But I, I see. It, I I t- take another sphere of life, and you go. Um, for example, the other day I heard uh, the the leaving cert points came out. We're in what are we in? The end of October, so they came out in September, yeah. graduating for for college to get. So for those again international people, the leaving cert is is a state exam. Everybody sits it, and um, and then it's supply and demand to get into university because Irish universities are are technically free. I'll put that in the inverted commas, but um, you have to get your points in this supply and demand race in order to even be to access yeah. university. So I did a course when I first qualified. I ended up with a course that was three six five points, um, which is about mid table, right? There's a total of six hundred points at the time. That same course now is five fifteen. Oh, which is huge. Oh. So, but and and the sole reason is because of 
people who are interested in going into tech, there's so many more of them now that only the cream of the crop are surviving. Yeah. There's so many, like, the population world is getting that big that everybody's becoming specialists. Yes. And here's where I'm really interested and where we're really going to dive into our talk today is, is because if you focus so long on a specialization, then you haven't developed broader general skills that people used to have. Yeah. And your body reflects all of this. I feel that your body reflects all of this stress um, in how it operates. And so if you're doing something where you're just so honed in and so strong in one area, but weak in other areas physically, mm. then your body starts to scream. First of all, it whispers, then it shouts, yeah. then it screams. And it screams by breaking down, by developing multiple injuries because you're just focusing on football for the last 15 years or mental health issues because you don't have a diverse enough life and you don't have friends from different backgrounds and a bit of just a bit of um perspective on life you're in a bubble mm. um or it might be um or it might be your gut breaks down because you've been eating such a a a focused way of eating for so long that hasn't been conducive to your body that now your gut starts to break down I see this across a range, but that's why I'm really interested in talking to you because you played football to a really high level and then you developed a lot of injuries, right? Yeah. So maybe start back in, in your career. Let, let's You played football all throughout your teenage years. Yeah. How, what was your volume of training like? What was your what was your life like um, through school and then into into early uh, college years as you were playing ball? Uh, as I said, you dropped the bag and you... You went out onto the football yeah, field, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's always been it's always been training. Um, like in your late teenage years, and I don't know if this is still the case because there is there's a bit more um, steps in place to look after young players so they're not getting burnt out. But like you could have been like when you're seventeen, eighteen, you were playing with maybe three teams at once. Mm-hmm. To know so like um, I done my couple of years, done the two years with the mid minors. Made it to the All Ireland final in 2012. Did, did you? Yeah, yeah. We now I was a sub for pretty much that whole year. Um, I was the year younger. Yeah. Um, I won. I won. I. All the same. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. No, it was, and, and it was a brilliant experience. Like when you, when you look back at it, to to be a part of a team, we made it to the league final, Leinster final, All Ireland final, and mm. beaten by Dublin in all three games mm-hmm. and it's like those top Dublin players are, were the ones winning the four or five six All-Irelands yeah um, which is you know which is pretty cool that yeah, you know, yeah, that we're, yeah. We're, we're when pretty, you can tell that you're competing with the top of the country yeah 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 um, yeah there's a lot of demand placed on you and I placed a lot on myself like I remember the week or two weeks before that All-Ireland final so um I was really, really pushing hard because we were going to be playing a sweeper and that was that was my game. Mm-hmm. I knew I was really good at that. Management knew I was really good at that. But um, I was the sub-sweeper, fending mm-hmm. it wrong. And mm-hmm. I remember we trained in my club in Simonstown um, because the, the pitch replicated the size of Crow Park. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we trained there about two weeks before the All-Ireland final. And I remember just fucking up once or twice and training and maybe drop the ball or you know little mistakes not too much but I had so much pressure on myself that like so what it was 
I think I was, I was only 16 at the time, um, yeah, because it was 2012. I had so much pressure on myself that when I got home from training, even leaving training, just like there's so much anger or emotion in me that like yeah, I couldn't talk to anyone or if anyone said anything to me, like, you know, when you've got that you've tear rolling out of your eye, but you, you know, you're 16 years old, you don't want to show it. You don't want to show it. <laughs> um, yeah, and that all, that happened several times, you know, like wow. between 16, 17, 18. Um, then I got kind of mellowed out. Then when I got to college, I started to, uh, I did take the football very seriously. Like, I definitely overtrained myself yeah. from 15 to probably, probably 15 until I was 20. What age was when I came to you? 24? Yeah. In and around the, the, the lockdown. Yeah, the, the, the lock until, un- until I took that break from football. Mm-hmm. And that was just my body screaming at me when I just kept picking, picking those injuries up with me. So you're about 24, 25 when you started picking them up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, it was constant... Niggles. Even before we go into that, yeah. when you say overtrained, what were you? How often were you training a week? Oh God, probably. Could even count it. Yeah, yeah. There was, there was like a rest. A rest day wasn't a thing. Like yeah. you know, I might have taken a rest day, but like, but I was doing really high intensity stuff. Like, um, now I was super fit. I was like always the fittest on the field. Mm-hmm. I was always the fittest in the uh, yo-yo tests or the one k tests. Always the fittest. Um, but that came at a price. Like the type of training I was doing was doing mad stuff. Like I would have been doing like workouts that I seen on YouTube by mm-hmm. YouTube influencers. Yeah. Do you know? Um, <laughs> and looking back now, like when their videos pop up, like why did I listen to that idiot? You know. Now some some of the guys I was listening to were really good, yeah, and I picked yeah. up a lot of good stuff. Um, but just things like doing like a hundred burpees as fast as you can, or like five minutes of burpees. Mm-hmm. non-stop just mm-hmm. to see how many you could get done um which is physically difficult mm-hmm. but the transfer over into gaelic football and the intensity of and the density of work that you're doing yeah is yeah, a lot yeah. um yeah we would have had an snc planned in with mead and my gym sessions were when i came to you that time like we looked back at my gym sessions and they were all sagittal playing exercises mm-hmm. it was all just front to back mm-hmm. stuff um so similar movement yeah it was yeah, all yeah. like but with the same stuff for years you're you know like which is good you're squatting you're lunging there your primal movements that you have to do but i never varied off my training enough too much of a good thing is bad for you right? yeah 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 too much of anything um <laughs> it's really interesting because i know you're i i can feel it from you that you're cautious how you're talking about the amount of workload you've mm. done and that it might have changed now for young guys. You're thinking of this from a GA point of view. We're talking to people from a variety of sports. Like yeah, I have a yeah. daughter in Irish dance, mm. and she's only thirteen. And their expectations for it, like that's I laugh at Gaelic footballers. Mm. They don't try like like Irish dancers do at that age. Yeah, Irish yeah. dancers are nuts. I've never come across anything like it. Like they have four two hour sessions a week, and then they're expected to train for an hour and a half at home six days of the week. Yeah, right. A lot of them, age thirteen, will have their own personal trainers, uh, their own sports psychologists, 
and uh, even some nutritionists as well. It's a lot of work and for it. Thirteen years of age, like mentally underdeveloped, physically mm. complete. Like they haven't even hit puberty at this stage. A lot of them. Who who decides that they get the personal trainer? Them or the? It's a combination. There's because you see. Irish dancing is, is the peak of the sport is underage dancing. It is achieving a world championship between the ages of 13 and 17. And after that, it's... After that, like, they're still senior um, up until about 21, but you won't see many Irish dancers dancing in championships beyond the age of 21. Um, what, it's just the nature of the sport. It, yeah, and is, is, is the nature of the sport like that because they specialise so early? Or is it... Or is that just... Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it could possibly be it is the culture that's yeah, been built around yes, it. Because yeah. of that early specialization for a long time, you know, a lot of the kids are getting burnt out. A lot of them are getting injured, like major injuries. Um, you're talking kids developing like broken bones, stress fractures, um, needing back surgery. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, think, think you're up on those feet like bouncing mm. uh, on hard shoes and hard floors, yeah. like, like thousands and thousands of times a session. And it's incredible. It's crazy. Yeah. It, it's nuts. Um, it's nuts. And, and my job, like with her, is just to go. Okay, let's do a little bit of this. Let's have some fun. Make sure we don't go to discos. Like, yeah, off you go. Like, yeah, nice. hit at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You gotta. It, we gotta. I. I see. Like, she's driving that she wants. She's ambitious. Like, my next daughter isn't so ambitious and didn't want to go ahead with dancing, so she didn't. Yeah. But this particular one just loves the dancing, so her own ego feeds into the culture feeds into you know what her friends are doing yeah now she's influenced by online and she's looking online and what are they doing and i'm just lucky in that i have a broader perspective that at least i can guide her towards stuff that will complement what she's doing as opposed yeah. to and, and diversify it as opposed to give her the same thing but it looks different like instead of doing a uh a, a lunge like she'll look at online and they're doing split squats so now she's doing lunges and split squats and then yes, she's looking yeah, at yeah. they're doing you know quad extensions on a machine and she's like okay i'll do that so i just have the ability to go oh okay no maybe we should look at it a different way yes yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but the the point you'd said there about um the drive so what made what i think what makes some young athletes good is that they have that pressure on themselves yes to perform better but that is also your can be your downfall can bring mm -hmm. you down is that pressure you have on yourself so like if you're to look back at the the 16 year old going home and just so frustrated and like couldn't talk to anyone you know kind of tears ready to come out but you know holding them back if i didn't have that pressure on myself i wonder would i still been to the same standard mm-hmm so I wondered, is that something you need? Like, is that something I had to learn? Is that something where you need to be, yeah? What I, what I need, or, or did I need to go through that so that I could then be uh, a coach or a mentor to young athletes? Because I could pick up on it. You know, I can see, I can, I can see, uh, I, I, I know what's going on because I was like that. Yeah. And then I can, you know, step in. Because I suppose if I had I had someone to step in, and say, if I had had you 10 years ago to step in and say, hey, man, you know, everything's good. Um, me as I am today, not me 10 years ago. Leo is age, Leo's ageless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but this this is the point of uh, that I love in yoga is the point of, uh, the, the the your dharma, mm. which is your path in life. And of course, like mine was like I wanted to be a, an intercounty footballer, but I was I was uh, really sick with asthma as a kid, and that affected my mindset and my psychology around gaining weight. Yeah. It affected my mindset and psychology about um, being able to uh, live that life. And eventually it actually overwhelmed me so much that I never had that belief in me at that stage. Yeah. And I go, wow, if I knew the stuff that I knew back then that I know now, like I could have gone after it, but maybe that wasn't my life path either. And maybe this is just how it's meant to be. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you can, if you can avoid it. Like you can look back and say, like I can, I can sometimes wallow in thinking I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve. And what I wanted to achieve was to, play in a Leinster final or win a Leinster with mm-hmm. Mead. Um we oh, wanted to start more games, play more championship matches. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was in there but I wasn't playing enough. And mm-hmm. you know part, you could like part of it is kind of a failure, like because that's my goal was to get there mm-hmm. and do this, but I didn't get the starts and I didn't, you know, um play the championship matches that I wanted to play. But was that a lesson that I needed to learn? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Was that life just saying, okay, here, I'm going to throw another obstacle at you. How are you going to deal with it? Mm-hmm. How are you going to deal with this? How are you going to deal with this? To build up some sort of mental resilience that, who knows, like I might be able to look back in 20 years and say, ah, it all makes sense. Doesn't make sense to me now because it's I'm just fresh out of the pot. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it will make sense at some, at some point. But... Yeah, I don't know if you can avoid your. Can well, you me, avoid your path? The, for me. The only way that you can is by becoming aware of, that broader perspective. Hmm. And usually you have to go through something very deep and dark to go through that. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, is. Like we're applying this looking on our past, right? You and your yeah, past, yeah, my yeah, my yeah. past. Well, how do I apply that same principle to today? Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, am I going to look back in 10 years and go, well, if only I knew that, or mm. if I didn't, you know, how was I? And so this is where getting to know yourself is all about and, and creating that awareness of who you are and listening to, having the, the dropping the ego and having the, um, the compassion with yourself to open up those doors and go, is this the right path for me. Like I love, let's say, I love being an intercounty football. That's what I want. I think it's really powerful to have mm. that drive in life. I think you need those drivers in life. Yeah. And um, for you to become the best of you. Yeah. As I would say, like live your greatest life. Yeah. So it's your greatest life. Not my greatest life, but your greatest life. And as you go down that pathway, then your body and your mind ends up being a reflection of are you on point? that's what I think is really important and something was out of balance somewhere exactly yeah, and yeah. because if you start getting repeated injuries that's telling you Mm-mm, something isn't working so well yeah. and this this conversation is it, it's interesting having it with you because you're the same era the same age as another intercounty footballer who wrote a book on it Shane Carthy from Dublin oh yes yeah, you know Shane. yeah yeah have you read his book no phenomenal book you should really read it um called The Dark Blue uh, he was a guy, uh, a Dublin footballer. Yes, he told me about this, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was like at the, the peak of that same era. 
um, and he ended up developing a lot of mental health issues um, and ended up being um, committed to St. Pat's um, psychiatric unit in order to be assessed and rather than to help him get through it. And he has, mm. in fairness to him, and, and that's like I, I've met the guy a couple of times, um, but just actually haven't read his book and listened to him. I'm like, well, maybe this is more prevalent with young guys who are after the who are at the top of their game yeah. and are pursuing stuff, and that's okay. Yeah. But now, how do you, how do you walk, as I say, the inside edge of that without falling over the cliff? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I like and just saying that, I think, there's not. I mean, it depends who the management team are and who, the, um county board committee and, and how much emphasis they place on this but i wonder if there was a i'm not going to call him a mental welfare officer but, mm-hmm. but a, a, an ex-player or someone who's in there in the academy squads and their job is literally just to chat to mm-hmm. young men and young women and ask them like we know what's going on because if for example there was a leo in the academy back then and um, likelihood is I probably would have talked to you because if there was anyone who I thought I could have learned from I would have talked to them mm. and you know you talk to them and ask them, what's going on would that have changed how hard I was on myself or how mm. Shane approached his yeah. uh, training yeah. to know and, and could that have changed everything um, but I think as the likes of you and Shane and, and your generation go through your experiences yeah. that that will inevitably like some of you guys and, and girls will fall into coaching roles and then you'll be the role models for the next generation yeah. that's that is how, yeah, how yeah, yeah. we grow as a society generation on generation yeah. like if we're making the if if i'm making the same mistakes as my dad who made the same mistakes as his dad and his mm-hmm. dad before him then mm-hmm. you know we're not really developing them and we're not growing um and, and moving with life yeah Whereas it's only I think when we start repeating the stuff and we're not uh, we're not consciously trying to change and to improve that then then for me that's a mistake yes that, and that that's a failure in that yeah. you're you're repeating it and you have awareness of it and you're not doing anything about mm. it yeah that's sad yeah <laughs> <laughs> we 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 seemed in this conversation be getting somewhere. And then we just get jump back. There's, there's no uh, lineage here with this conversation at no. all. It's just going here and then jumping back. But well, that, that's what I wanted with these conversations yeah. because, you know, if I come in with a set structure as well and it's like, okay, like who knows where it will go. Yeah. And that's what I want is because like life isn't a straight line. No. Um, people's experiences and for even for me to make sense of how I want to come across in this podcast and what I wanted to do for people. Mm that's going to come out in these conversations. Yeah. Even if, if somebody asks me and describes what I do uh, and how I coach people, I'm like, oh. like for me to articulate that, it's yeah. so difficult. And I, I've had to try to explain that before. Yeah. I said, well, <laughs> just, just go. <laughs> I, and I remember Andy McIntyre ringing me and uh, it was during that period when I'd, I'd stopped playing county football. So to give some context to this to the people who don't know. Yes. So I played county fo- football for... We'll say two years and then um in, when Adrian about here you're about nineteen twenty at this stage? So twenty three I think I got called in. Okay. Um to the senior team. Um and I worked that was my goal. I'd worked really, really hard. We'd won two championships, two thousand sixteen, two thousand seventeen. I got a call in in two thousand eighteen summer, um, 
but I was the captain of the club at that time. We were going for three in a row and I just felt like, you know, I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't the, the thing to do uh, was to leave the club. Um, and I also felt like if I was thrown into that level of training um, mid-championship club season, it would have affected my game. So I chose not to go in in 20, 2018. Um, we didn't win the championship that year, unfortunately. But uh, 2019 then I was in. Okay. Um, everything was going well. Um, I was working on my mental skills training. I was visualizing it. I was working on my affirmations, you know, telling myself I was a starter for the mid senior footballers. And it all came to fruition. First round of the league, started second round, third round. Um, then I was dropped, we'll say, for... Um, was it the Calair game? I think we were around round five of the National League. Okay. Um, came on at half time, was playing really well, and then I went in for a tackle, ended the game, cl- close to the end of the game, went in for a tackle and dislocated the elbow. And that was the beginning of the the hero's journey mm-hmm. circle for me. Because what followed that was great mental strength. Mm-hmm. You know, I Never let the injury get to me. Um, I was constantly working on the visualization. So I was doing the, um, if I was in the gym, if I was doing bench press on my right arm, I was visualizing it on my left arm. Mm. Oh, you know, I was, there was a lot of, I had up on my wall then, um, the body fat percentage stat that I was going to be at when I got back, my yo-yo scores, um, what position I was going to play. I was visualizing myself playing the Leinster final with Mead. Mm-hmm. So all went all went well. I got back in and around probably earlier than was expected. Like the physios were brilliant. Um a lot of it took a lot of mental and physical effort to get there. Like even with the elbow, so I completely tore every ligament and tendons in my elbow. So the arm was pretty much hanging off. Yeah. Um, well well when when I went for surgery, that's what the surgeon said, because th- there's a test that they do to see how much damage is done and they basically just um, pull the arm and, and see how much the laxity is, laxity is in it and she says if there's up to 5 to 10 mil do you know yeah. that's that you need to operate on that wow. and she said when she pulled it she could have got her whole hand in there and pulled okay, it off yeah. and Craig um, did you win the tackle? Uh, we did <laughs> did win the tackle we got a we got a free for it went up the pitch we got a penalty <laughs> and then Barry Dardis scored a penalty and we won and that was one of the games that helped get us to, to brilliant that, well that's what I tell myself yeah. to, uh, <laughs> that's how I remember it um, I, don't, I don't know if I even if I even actually tackled the ball I think I was just there yeah. do you know what I mean I, th- I think I just fell like I happened to be in the, the yeah. situation I don't know if I even yeah, tackled yeah. him but my romantic <laughs> mind tells me yeah. that I made that tackle but I probably didn't um, but anyway, that that everything that year went considerably well. Another point where so we got to the Leinster final that year. I was back training maybe three weeks prior to this, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't a lot considering I'd been out for three months. But because I had that written on my wall that I was going to be starting, mm-hmm. you know, when it got to Leinster final day, um, they named the panel, and I wasn't even on the panel. That was another one of those points where I was 16 where just the frustration and the anger and I remember just driving home the car. I 
roaring shouting just I didn't know where this was coming from just the anger because I put in so much mental and looking back it was because I put in so much mental strength to get there it wasn't the physical stuff mm-hmm. I enjoyed the physical stuff like mm-hmm. that's you know my bread and butter but I was obviously putting myself under so much pressure pressure that it didn't the injuries didn't start then mm-hmm. they came a year later mm-hmm. so ended up um having a good season with the club then um that that year in 2019 um yeah got think did we get we got to championship semi-final again and yeah I had a very good year at the club again I was still working on my mental skill stuff the following year then around Christmas time when we were going back in pre-season that's when everything the body started to break down mm-hmm. was after this year long of like physical training mental training and putting my body under stress and it just slowly started to break down with uh, chest infection then um cellulitis in the leg then i had uh, ankle injury knee injury just all these little niggles start coming and which eventually led me then to um drop myself off the panel and when i did drop myself off the panel it was like to come to that decision was extremely difficult yeah you know and again identity is wrapped in it right exactly and and something you've worked so hard for your whole life you know to play with your county team which is such an honor to put that jersey on when you think about the amount of people that go through clubs and development squads and even the minor team, there might have only been... Now, our minor team was particularly um, good, so we had a good number of lads go on and play senior. Well, on average, you're looking about 1%, I think, of, of total players. Y- player you're talking... Senior. You might get one to two lads off a minor panel that go on to play senior, mm-hmm. You know, which is such a privilege. So to, to come to the decision that I wanted to drop myself off the panel was you know really difficult um so that was the, yeah that was the beginning of the the real the the hardship and that hero's journey thing yeah. and you know i was walking in the dark um until but that's just even before about yeah. the next stage which is walking through the dark mm. is just to take a breath on that and go those injuries seem completely separate Elbow, yeah. cellulitis, yeah. ankle. Yeah. There was a couple of other things in there as well. Yeah, just oh, oh, the hip. The hip was a huge one at the time. Like the you know, as, as there is with a lot of and, and people when 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 they get these pains and aches in their body, that they think, oh well, that's my hip. That's separate to my cellulitis. That's yeah. separate to. But you only have one body. Like yeah. look at your finger. Look at your toes and mm. tell me where they're separated. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. They're all joined up. It's just that Western thinking segments yeah. everything, yeah. all all parts of the whole. It, it, it was it was like the the engine light came on in the car, but I just decided to ignore that. So the reversing light came on in the car, so I decided to ignore that. You know, all these lights were coming on yeah. until you got the message that you needed to take a break. Yeah. Um, and then eventually one part breaks down so significantly, like, oh, okay, yeah. i got to stop now. Yeah. The, um, the, the same is the, 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 the body whispers before it screams. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the body was slowly whispering. And, 
you know, then it started to started to scream when I just couldn't get a run more than six weeks. Because you're saying this as a, as a guy who's an inter-county footballer, right? Top of his game, elite level. But I see this often with people <coughs> who lead not a, a, a normal life, like they're not high performance mm-hmm. in that sense. It might be their career, it might be at home. And I, I used to see it a lot, people coming into their 40s that their body starts to break down with you know, cardio, cardio, cardiovascular diseases, yes, yeah. um, mental health issues, uh, gut problems. Um, but now it's getting younger and younger. And the people that I work with a lot, the clients that I work with a lot are, are high performers in some area of their life. Yeah. Um, but their body's breaking down now in their, their early 30s. Yeah. It's like that growth phase, is, and, and yours is particularly early because... I think because one, it's such a physically demanding um, area of life, sport, yeah. and mentally demanding, and you're in the high pressure cooker zone, and then so you know the stakes are much higher. Yeah. So, and the body once it goes, it goes a lot quicker then. Yes. For yeah. and everybody is different. There's some people that can get through a whole career and not have any injury at all, and mm. I mean that's okay. That's great. And it doesn't mean that it's the be that it's the end of everything just because it does start to happen. Yeah. But if you can step back with that awareness and learn from it, maybe you'll be able to extend your career that much more. If that's what your driver still is. Yeah. Or you'll you'll often find is that all of a sudden it starts to merge into something else and you get more meaning from something else. Yeah. Even though that hurt is there. Yeah. I I think and so, something that popped into my mind when you were saying that, um. You, you were talking there about the body slowly starting to break down and stuff. And a thought popped into my head, like, why was my body actually breaking down? And, you know, I have come to somewhat now, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the physical training, I think the body, and I was doing the right stuff. At, at that stage, I was doing the right stuff. Um, I was doing my yoga, so I practiced that all through, you know, college mm-hmm. and stuff. I think a lot of it comes down to the emotional stuff. So we'll continue the story, right? And then mm. we'll, we'll come back and, and yeah. I'll explain where the emotional stuff comes in. So, um, so your body's starting to break down. And my body's breaking down. So I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd, I'd, I'd give up with Mead and then I was playing a, a, a game at the club and um, we, I, I was running up the pitch and I got turned over on maybe they're 14 or 21. So I'm, I'm usually a back mm-hmm. attacking, get the ball turned up in the forwards. Um, and my instinct is to turn and track. And I didn't turn and track. And I just watched them running back down the field. I was like, what the fuck? You know, and, and, and I didn't want it. I was like, I don't give a shit. I didn't care about it. My, ever since I was 12, 13, 14, that, that was what, you did. That was what I, like, if I, if I went up the field, I got back mm-hmm. um, and I didn't and I didn't care and then I remember going home thinking I have to give up the club as well which is a huge thing so for anyone who doesn't play Gaelic football your club like if you play county you've got to play with your club mm-hmm. and in the fact that we were coming into championship as well um, you know and I would have been a valuable player on the team as well but I just knew myself that I wasn't committing 100% to the team and I knew I was you're essentially the weak link because you're not tracking back mm-hmm. um, and I just couldn't motivate myself to go, go to training so as much as the manager you know he, he knew that there was emo- an emotional thing going on as well and as much as he wanted me to 
to continue playing. Um, you know, he was fairly the club manager was fairly sound about it. Um, so I gave up the club then as well, and it was on that year off of football that I went on that journey of self discovery um, about myself. So it started with, um, yeah, it started with gathering with people around the fire. You know, um, everything was shut down. We were in lockdown now at this stage, I think. And I started with gathering with people around the fire um, in Tara, just chatting and, and, and that kind of sort of stuff to um, go into a men's circle with um, one of our mutual friends, Robbie, um, which was a life-changing moment because... Uh, so so within the men's circle, everyone sits down and um, a, a talking stick gets passed around to share um, something. And I was there thinking, what the fuck am I going to talk about? <laughs> and... Uh, I always get that feeling. Yeah. I'm going to come on the podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> and you get this like overwhelming like panic. Like I've played football in front of thousands of people and not be nervous or but then suddenly I'm sitting in a room in front of maybe 15 men or 12 men and this stick has been passed to me to talk and like your 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 stomach is in your throat and your heart you can feel your heart banging off your chest. And the stick got to me and then just, the tears came and they didn't stop. I was just bawling and bawling and bawling and crying. And that was all that pent up tears and emotion from, even from childhood, but from the 16 year old who went home from training that time mm-hmm. to the fella that went home after the Leinster final screaming and shouting, you know, in his car on his own um, to things that had happened in my family, um, things that had happened in my relationships with women and love and all that sort of stuff, all the heartbreak that you get, you mm-hmm. know, when you're younger, but really does hurt, but you don't express it to anyone. All that stuff just came out. But I, I, I didn't express it. It just came out through tears. Well, tears yeah. are an expression of emotion. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it, it didn't come out vocally. I didn't yeah. say, these are all, this is the reason why I'm crying. Yeah. Um, but it came out. And that was a, a life-changing moment because I felt so, I, it, it felt like, you know, when you're in the gym and you're doing weighted pull-ups or something and you just take the weight off and you do a pull-up. Yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. that feels great. <laughs> That's exactly what I felt like. I was carrying this weighted vest around for so many years. And then once I learned how to cry, <laughs> once I learned how to express it, um, it just got lifted, which was... That, for me, I think was one of the the reasons why the body was breaking down was because all this frustration, all this frustration and all this, like, pent-up emotional energy from from all walks of life. Like, so outside of football would have had emotional emotional stress through family stuff. Then, you know, obviously, you know, things to do with money or love and, and that kind of sort of stuff. All those stressors mm-hmm. accumulated in football injuries it's one body it's one life exactly just uh, like your fingers and separated from your toe exactly in the grand scheme of life yeah. your relationships aren't separated from your football aren't yeah. separated from your body it's yeah. one yeah. it's just one unit and and that's why it's so important for uh players or even trainers of players to be aware not even aware of this but to to put like because a lot of people are aware of it they're aware oh sure mm-hmm. you know Johnny might have broken up with the girlfriend there and yeah 
you are aware of it, but what do we know how to do about this? Okay, we'll, we'll send Johnny maybe to uh, uh, Leo who has the ability just to sit down and chat him and all he needs to do is talk. Yeah. Suddenly that okay. weight is lifted off Johnny and he, he returns back to... And this is what I mean by the originally when I was talking earlier on as well was having diversity in your life. Mm. Um, because like you as a footballer that's where all your, your, your focus and attention is going but now you have a men's circle so you have support in, in a different community yeah. altogether. Yeah. Like if that happened in a bunch of footballers you might have broken down. Yes. It was a different yeah. group of friends. Yeah. Um, I see it the whole time with, with sea swimming mm. um, and with people getting into ice baths. Not because they're getting in because they're recovering from, from injury or because they're doing it for training but they're getting in just to <clears throat> feel the cold and like there's this deep vocal like ah some people laugh some people scream some people get afraid and it's amazing because it's an expression yeah. of emotion yeah. if you don't express it you suppress it yes which means you keep it inside which means now it's stored right. inside that and it's yeah. got to come out somewhere it's got to come out somewhere there's yeah. enough pressure yeah. like it's got to it's got to burst yep yeah yeah that's that's fascinating but yeah. your, your story reminded me which, which might it gives another variety of what you said i had a i had a client and uh he he was opening a he's opening a new business he opened a new business and through the lockdown but it was one of those phases where i could go back working in the gym so i was working yeah. in the gym yeah and and um, but all he, he did brilliantly through like 99% of all the coronavirus. And then it came to one of the last lockdowns and like the restaurants had to close down again. And he was under, I think he just signed a major deal with the leaseholder and he's about to go back paying the lease and going back paying his rent. And so everything he'd worked for just looked like the rug was going to be pulled from underneath. Mm. We were squatting in the gym and he was, ah, I said, wrap the bar up. This is what's wrong. And he was squatting. And they felt his hamstring go. And like, oh no, it wasn't even a squat, it was a lunge. And he felt his hamstring go. And he's like, ah. Oh. And this has never happened before, right? And uh, I was like, what's up with you? And he goes, oh, my hamstring, my hamstring. I was like, okay. Sit down, relax, and we're chilling right there in the gym. And says, okay, this is a Thursday. I says, all right, what, what are your plans for the weekend? He says, no, I, I knew, known the context of it, right? I says, what are your plans for the weekend? He says, oh, like I'm just, you know, my head is down and I'm focused and trying to get through this stuff from work. I says, okay. I says, here's what, here's what you ought to do. I says, you're going to go home. I says, you're going to write out everything you need to for work and just write it out. Then you're going to go to sleep. Yeah. Tomorrow you're going to get a hot bath. You're going to write out all the stuff that's going on in work. And then you're going to go to bed. And you're going to do the same the next day. I says, and then you're going to come in here Monday. Hmm. He came in Monday, no sign of hamstring strain. Yeah. nothing he, he was actually squatting on Monday yeah and we I, I muscle strength tests on the whole lot 100% so he went from having the feeling that he pulled it he must have done at least a grade 1 if not a grade 2 tearing up to 4 days later being completely fine because the problem wasn't in his leg yes the problem was in work because yeah. of the pressure that he was feeling at work something had to snap and that was affecting his sleep and it was affecting his mentality and his focus and his body just, just, just tweet, yeah. just tweet. But even I was shocked. I was like, "Holy God, I can't believe that works." 
<laughs> this is an important lesson for you know anyone who is listening to it is to have that awareness then of if it's chronic injuries or if it's to, to be aware of the warning signs mm-hmm. and when the warning sign comes up okay what's out of balance mm-hmm. you know and, and the warning sign could be something if you're like because i see it in football a lot um with, you know lads with just chronic injuries or injuries reoccurring all the time but in day-to-day life just general stuff like the um you know spots coming up on your face yeah. constantly okay so what is like that's you know it might look it might sound like this is normal but well, it is normal because so many people have it but it's not normal, nat- but not yeah, natural yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I love it. <laughs> <laughs> do you know so to to be aware of those warning signs and then you know flaky scalp yeah um, itchy skin yes yeah, yeah. Um, athlete's foot coming up time yeah. and again farting you're farting farting you like, stink below like, off you <laughs> You get it. You get it with the with the guy lads like drinking the whey protein, and they're like, <laughs> oh, are they're like, ah, oh, me fart stinking all this sort of stuff, and uh, if they do, that's not that's <laughs> not, not like your like your body clearly doesn't want that, so don't put it into your body. But it's easier said than done because you know the whey protein is gonna gives them the aesthetic and the look. And help yeah, but way isn't the only option. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. not the only option. And this is, you know, it, it, at this stage, people are listening to this podcast mm. and they're hearing us to having a conversation. We're mm. telling you there's other options. Yeah, yeah. Your choice now is to hear that and to yeah. and to go research and find out about it well, and talk to us. I put on ten kilos in two years of training, but seven kilos in one year of training, and no supplementation with whey protein mm. or anything. I was actually vegetarian at the time as well. And it was just through good food. It was just through good food. So, like, you don't need to be putting processed supplements into the body in order to... You know, like, supplements do play their role at certain levels if they're complemented with, you know, a good diet and stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of the top athletes um, have nutritionists and they've got good with good nutritionists and they're being supplemented with something, (laughs) you know. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with the quality of food nowadays, you know, if you're eating your... <laughs> but it's like you're you're trying to re... When you add in supplements and really have enough to do this, so you're, you're going into... Um, you're going into a house and you're just redecorating the interior design of it, yeah. as opposed to looking at the foundations and looking at the structures that are in place. Yeah. Like, your nutrition is a foundation stone. Yeah. Food being... The, 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 the core of nutrition and what you're putting into your body um, but yeah that, that, that's a whole rather whole there yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's go back <laughs> where were we so listen you did get injured you went through that dark period you then went to the men's circle and just let it all out in that one session yeah. it was a big turning so, point for so, you so I had a year of a year of um, self-discovery um a lot of it was what other stuff did you do you did the men's circle uh, yeah um i had let me see through that year i i'd several men i'd i'd went and uh care start training with you mm-hmm. and you were a huge <coughs> mentor for me like i had a couple of mentors i'd the the guys from inward bound who, who run those retreats um mm-hmm. they also do psychedelic retreats abroad um 
Well, what do they do? Just for people, I, I don't even know the ins and outs of what they do. Um, <coughs> they do men's retreats, right? Yeah, and, yeah and they, 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 they do uh, men's retreats and stuff, but they bring people abroad um, <coughs> and you do psychedelic therapy. Yeah, so like, um, it could be, it, it depends on what the medicine is. Um, <laughs> could be mushrooms, could be um, truffles. Have you, you gone down that road? Yes. Um so now obviously there's there's an element here of um part of me is kind of it's funny i was thinking this the other day as well part of me is resistance still of telling people about this stuff sure of, of how much it's helped me but yeah i did um go down the road with them with the the, the psychedelic therapy stuff and one of the big lessons that came out to me during uh, one of our journeys was the self-expression thing was my i had a fear of self-expressing um which came because i asked in the journey about my injuries and all this sort of stuff mm-hmm. and it, it all came back to to self-expression and the fear of my stuff didn't matter Mm-hmm. You know, um, my pressure on myself didn't matter. My worries about money or my worries about my family, none of that mattered because it was all petty stuff. Someone had a problem that was bigger than mine, so I had no need to worry. So that was one of the huge um, life-changing moments, really, was to discover this. You know, and I've had several since, um, but the arrival of you and those two guys in my life... And Robbie and having that group of men around me um, and women because we, we would have had circles down in Tara and you know we had our men and women and to have that space where we could express ourselves and you know talk I one of my greatest fears was to sing a song in front of people I mean I genuinely frightened the absolute life out of me to, the thought of having to sing a song and uh, in and around that time of taking the year off, um, I think it could have been New Year's, I brought a group of my friends together, and a lot of them, you know, very close friends, some of them not very close friends, and uh, I don't know the words to any song. I just, I just, like me. yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just know these like uh, medicine circle songs. So I sang this song, of, it went like, I release control and surrender to the flow of love that will heal me and i just sang that over and over again and that was my first time in my life ever really yes yeah. to sing a song and like something so simple people grow up with this yeah, but yeah. my fear of self-expression and my fear of my voice for me to do that was like climbing mount everest for me to do that was the 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 person who's tried really hard and betraying for ages and they got their first 5k or you know the 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 mountain is relative mm-hmm. to who you are and my mountain there was to sing a song in front of people and to be able to express myself in front of people and not worry about what they cared so that it's interesting because the the voice physically mm. is the essence of you mm. Yes. Think of the voice. Think of physically what it is, right? You're not afraid of expressing yourself, expressing mm. yourself in a football field. Yeah. You do that. <clears throat> You're comfortable there. Yeah. So even physically, make, even physically to dance 
I can do that. Yeah. I can express myself. But with the voice... Okay. So make the circle smaller. So mm. let's say you came to this realization that self-expression is your biggest fear. Yeah. So make the circle smaller. You've gone from gross movement down to finer, finer, finer movements. What yeah. is the finest movement of the whole of the human body is the breath. Yes. And vocalization yeah. of the breath is what the voice yeah. is. Yeah. And what you're doing is is that the, the melodies and the rhymes and the, that that is that is one of the most fundamental ways to express yourself. So yeah. for somebody that's so scared of self expression, yeah, yeah, I would say that it's mighty scary yeah. for you to be like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was and and, and, and now at this point we can relate that back to the injuries and mm. the difficulties with a- any any of my physical training was that if I had one the space and two the knowledge and the I'm not gonna say the ability because I did have the ability to express myself but the uh, the courage to express myself would all that of all pent up energy would that have came out in the ener- in the injuries mm-hmm. do you know so and I think it's huge as well for men because you see it a lot at particularly the men's circles like those so we've had I don't know it's been well over a year now where the first Saturday of every month imagine being one or two of them yeah right yeah there. yeah I wasn't there with them, yeah. um, so so for any men that is listening if you yeah. just go on to Instagram and go on to Gosra which is G-A-S-R-A which Asquelga means a band of young warriors or a band of young men mm-hmm. Um so we would just sit around the fire and we talk, but you'd see it in in, in people who, um, and some of my close friends who you think are like really confident, mm. like me that at that first circle where the stick came to me, the fear and they just like a deer in headlights and they're shaking and like you can hear it subtly in their voice and they get the the, the trembling and you're like, oh my god, like mm-hmm. here is a strong man who could rip your fucking head off. Mm-hmm. And he's afraid to express himself in front of men. Mm-hmm. So powerful. And you leave everyone, every man that expresses himself and says something in the circle, you can relate it, be it issues with their father or uh, issues of um, self-acceptance or money or, you know, you know like yeah. all these things that... Fundamental to human. The fundamental things to human, because money is a safety thing, do you know? Mm-hmm. Um you can relate to everyone and then you just I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone leave worse than mm-hmm. they were. No, they might leave and the energy might be down, you know, because it was difficult and there might have been some heavy mm-hmm. things and expressed, but ultimately you come out the other side mm-hmm. a little bit better because you know that you're in a one hundred percent safe space that no matter what is said, it never gets said to anyone else because mm-hmm. you know if you share your stuff with your wife and your friends that weren't in the circle that if there's an integrity and an honesty you've, there you've the you've people. broken the the, yeah, the, 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 trust. The, the trust so it, it just doesn't happen like mm-hmm. lads just don't because they know because when you're in that space you know what it's like to feel safe mm-hmm. really safe and you just it's just too safe to break <laughs> do you know yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah which is amazing and i do i do encourage any men you know who are I don't think you even need to be struggling because you'll be surprised. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised how much you're holding on to just any man. If a light bulb went off in your head, get inspired to go. Get inspired to go. There's 
men's circles everywhere. There's, I have a good friend down in Kiltiernan, down in um, South Dublin, uh, Luke. He's, he's Woods Men on, on Instagram, and he runs um, men's circles, weekly men's circles. So you join a six to eight week program with him. He actually came to my very first Wim Hof Method workshop, I think. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's Back a, in 2019, yeah. He's a good guy. He's a really good guy. Um, and then you have the inward bound guys um, doing the men's work as well. Mm -hmm. There's tons of stuff across the country. And once you open your mind to it, you'll find somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, because that, as a young man, particularly if you're young, if you're a young man as well, mm -hmm. um, imagine the world. <laughs> imagine the world with men who weren't repressed in their emotions and stuff because you know like t things that get repressed mm -hmm. come out in certain ways and they come out come out in physical violence or they might they come explode out in a volcano exactly in ways you don't want it, so there's <clears throat> safe ways of doing that and no better way to do it with a than with a group of men you know yeah. and it's kind of like an initiation too you know mm -hmm. i didn't become a man until i was 25 um and i still think there's a little bit of bit of work to do mm -hmm. but like Went on a, a couple of vision quests where went away for a few days, fasting, um, you know, spent a, a, a day in 24, hour, 24 hours in darkness um, in, a, in a small cave thing to come out like nearly reborn. I'd be like, okay. So this brings us to a whole other uh, interesting mm. topic. Um, and it's stuff that I've looked at for a long time, and it was a book got me onto. It was called uh, Bridget's Healing, and she it was actually all about herbs. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But she had this aspect in it, and uh, she said that all girls should do martial arts, and should refrain from being with boys until they know who they are, mm. or, or girls. Now I know this is this might seem strange to people, especially in the modern day, right? Yeah. But it's not about. When when you when you start having sex with other people, when you get that intimate, you mm. mix your energy with them. And if you don't know who you are yeah. and you don't have the, the confidence in yourself and then you get that close with somebody else, you're you're it's like it's like a, a patchwork quilt. You end up yeah. weaving in with them. Yes. And that's why uh, when you look at it, that religions have certain ceremonies for particular phases of life, no matter what religion you look at. Yeah. Um, like communion, in, in, communion, turn and seven. Yeah. Yeah. And the, but you have baptism. Yeah. Which is welcome to the community. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have actually, it's uh, confirmation is the full acceptance of I take responsibility for my own Christianity. As they're turning from a child to a young young man. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And the seven, the the. Mm -hmm. is when their mind is turning from the you know absorbing everything to now having their yes their own mind, their own mind. It's the start of that so. then you have you have marriage which is the mm. union with another person yeah you have um celibacy with uh, and, and being a priest which is a complete union with god is, yeah. is how they view it and um, and then you have the death ceremony as well yeah but there was also these ceremonies in ancient times as well it's not just religious but they were in ancient times as well in in like celtic times mm. and you have it in all of the tribes throughout humanity in the native tribes you would have um 
like you're talking about going to Australia, they have the kids would go and walk about. Yeah. Right where they were, they would literally go into the the forest and they would have to stay there in, um for two weeks. Yeah. You know, other tribes where it's um like in Africa where you have to go and kill a lion. Yeah. <laughs> right. A, a, a rite of passage. A, a rite of passage. Yeah. Rite of passage to become an adult, mm. and that you don't actually get to become an adult. Yeah. You don't get to contribute to the tribe until you go through that rite of passage. Yeah. So what do we have now? We have the Leland Cert. It's supposed to be a rite of passage, right? Which yeah. actually academically is a really intelligent way of doing it. But now hold on. Now you finish your schooling, but now you have to go into college and university. Mm-hmm. So now you're in university and you're qualifying from there 23, 24, 25. And now you can't afford to own your own home. So you're still not an adult. Yeah. You can't afford to feed yourself. You can't yeah. afford to stand your own two feet. So now you're now you got men who are staying at home and women yeah. who are staying at home into their thirties and they're still under the roof of the parent. And then you have bitterness there yeah. because you feel like you're an adult and you should be an adult and yeah. you are an adult, but you're still a child because you haven't graduated, you haven't had that um, right of passage that of, right of leaving passage the nest. Next, yeah. Next phase. Yeah. Um, which I think is just I think it's fascinating and, yeah. and that's part of what like I've seen other people do where they, they, they will purposely go off and what you're talking about, yeah. you went into a cave or so you did that all by yourself. Mm. You set yourself your own challenge. Yeah. And you don't know what's gonna come out of it, but you set yourself your own challenge to go through that you yeah. made your own right of initiation. You don't it doesn't have to be a a, a, a near death experience in yeah. order to do it. Yeah. But it has to be Something that is taking responsibility for you standing your own and, two feet and challenging too, yeah. you know. Um, and this is where where I say because with innate strength, there's a lot of people I work with which have diseases and, and injuries, and that's their rite of passage of health. Yes. But there's other people who don't have that. They yeah. are the high performers, and they kept on going. But actually, they need to create a challenge in yeah. order to become that. Yeah. And do it with enough variety in their life that they're also standing on their own two feet yeah yeah um yeah as men as women as people yeah but like, uh yeah I, I just i love that's i'm like oh i love that round hole because yeah. i think it's so amazing right the, the, the whole rites of passage thing as well is something that has been would have been like i suppose essentially lost in our culture because you know the young men at uh a, a rite of passage might have been at uh, turning from a child into a young man, so 12, mm-hmm. whatever, totally stripped from their mother. Mm-hmm. The young man would have been... Now, it depends what kind of culture you're looking at, but I think there's, there's a book, is it called uh, People of the First Nation? The, it's, a, it's a big, thick book about the Aboriginals. Okay. And, you know, it has a lot of their uh, cultures, passes, and, yeah. their rites of passage, okay. you know, all this sort of stuff in it. But one of them was, you know, stripping the boy from his mother mm-hmm. to because because naturally enough you're going to latch on to your mother as a as a protector and mm-hmm. um, then also sending them out to physically work mm-hmm. and do something they don't want to do mm-hmm. now like you know th- that could be something as simple nowadays of um you know taking a group of first year students and bringing them to the local spud farm or something to yeah. pick spuds like you kind of got to go through that hard work to know that that's what I don't want to do. 
or someone might turn around and say I fucking love picking spuds and but if it is if it is if it is difficult and it is like to have your bent over picking spuds for hours this is a difficult thing to do and monotonous and boring there's a there's a small there's a rites of passage there in mm-hmm. a sense do you know what I mean yes um, and and I think a rite of passage also could be and that's what Cormac and Daryl are doing with the, with the Wolf Academy is they're creating this you know model mm-hmm. whereby you know it's it's the living cert not the leaving cert mm-hmm. um whereby you have these little rites of passage that young men and women can do the women have essentially they have one without even choosing it and that's their menstrual cycle their first period is it, a slight well no it absolutely yeah. is a rite of passage yeah yeah fully agree with another friend uh Teresa, who wrote a book and it's a beautiful book um I'm going to have to get the name of it. Um, Teresa Kramarova is her name. She's from mm. the Czech Republic. But it is a it is a female's rite of passage um, having wow. menstrual cycle. But wow. what happens when you when you take the pill? Yes. Yeah. Right? And you stop listening to your body. There's a... I'm not saying it's right or wrong or indifferent. I'm yeah. just saying what happens when you stop... Biologically, you are stopping your hormones from working yeah. as... As they're supposed to work. Yeah. Well, if 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 you're to take a small segment of women, just go out there and take. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know what when the pill became popular, but I know like a lot of the girls that I grew up with uh, as friends would have been taking the pill from a very young age. You're talking fourteen, fifteen, mm-hmm. whenever they first started having sexual experiences at a young age to. They, they could be on the pill 10, 12 more years. Mm-hmm. And I know s- some of my friends who have come off it and said the the issues they were having on it mm-hmm. were tough. Mm-hmm. The issues they're having swapping over. There's, there's I, I have one friend, um, actually two friends, who came off the pill maybe, I don't know when they came off, but it took them nearly a year to get their first natural period again. That's common. Do you know? That's common. It's Ooh. one of the first things I, I have with my female coaching clients is, are you, are you on birth control? Yeah. And they're looking at me because they want to lose weight. And I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry, but i got to know this. And, and Yeah, and how, how does this affect then their, like we say, the, the, the rates of ACL injuries in women or knee injuries in women and stuff. And you're like, how is the birth control playing its part in this, in the laxity of ligaments or, do you know, you know what's going on in the women that mm-hmm. with the birth control because it's like imagine when we were 13 and 14 and we were told to take this pill mm-hmm. you know well they actually tried it yeah the the male pill was was tested first yeah. before the female pill male pill the men wouldn't take it yeah uh, <laughs> that was it <laughs> because there's no consequence for us but there's now also supposed to be a, a male pill coming back in yeah that's what yeah. they're trying to get but, but, but there's no consequence because if we we can go off and we can shag as many women as we want and yes we might have loads of babies popping up and you know mm-hmm. it, you have that responsibility of, of of children but we don't have to bear the child for nine months so that's the difference i think between the male pill being successful and the female pill there's no consequence first of all there's a consequence of everything yes yeah 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 but right. it, 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 I, I get i get what you're yeah. saying i i understand what you're saying there but think of this right there's no <clears throat> consequence for a male in, in the way you're thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, Because the man isn't going to be pregnant. Yes. The consequence is 
sexually transmitted diseases. Mm. But now you're taking a vaccine to prevent sexually transmitted diseases, which will reduce the risk of them. Then yeah. you're taking a vaccine to prevent cancers that arise from yeah. um, sexual activity. And, you know, biologically, the natural processes will take place. And your body, if you are living a life that is not natural to the biology of being a human, yeah. well, then it will break down yeah. somewhere. It has to. It's and this is this is a place where, where unfortunately at this point in evolution, I'm going. We're not intelligent enough mm. to figure out all the different ways to put plasters over all the different ways biology can yeah. manifest itself. Yeah. You can't. You and can't these are the fight signals of the body. Yeah. These are the the and and it's it's shown through disease and it's shown through disease whether it's physical or mental or emotional or spiritual. Yeah. That's dysfunction disease in the body yeah. it's saying mm, you are you're off you're off your track yeah something's out of balance something's out of balance yeah oh, what is it and, and it's usually out of, you're out of balance with the nature's or the, the laws of nature yes. you know there's I, I don't know what the um is it a socrates or hippocrates or one of these quotes and it's basically disease is uh, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here but like disease is only when man lives uh, out of line with nature's laws you know being uh, uh, one of your nature's laws could be you know getting your sunlight in the morning to help mm -hmm. your circadian rhythm and then being exposed to you know fake light mm -hmm. and then so that there's one natural law that's out of balance that could affect so so here's how the and it, mm. it, it's happened generally generationally because we're so intelligent yeah yeah that that's actually part of it right think of it like yeah well, we're so smart we, we're so fucking stupid but we are like we created homes to shelter us mm. right and then offices and um, that we can go to work in and then we have central heating and we have lighting mm. and we have clothing and we have everything to keep us feeling nice and comfortable yeah. because we don't who likes discomfort nobody but, likes it but what are they doing they are um pleasing our uh, the safety and security at mm -hmm. the very bottom of you know maslow's theory of hierarchy yeah. is the safety and security yeah we've just worked for hundreds of thousands of years to do our best yeah. to be safe and secure to get us to that point of whatever the next step is then of uh, there's something to do with love and community yeah, and stuff and like that self-actualization self yes. but we've made our lives so easy yes that we're now breaking down because of it yeah yeah and we can't get the self-actualization because we need that step we need to get we need to create our own safety and security yes. or we need some sort of a struggle to create a step to get up but that step is already there for us and you know we're yeah. But you, somehow we're just not getting up there. Um, and, and this is the thing, like, even with, like, the breathing that I teach, the, the breath training, mm. with breath work, with um, telling people to go out into the sunlight in the morning to help them with the circadian rhythm, the reason why those things work and make you feel better and you feel great for doing them is because you're so weak. Yeah. <laughs> you actually, yeah, yeah. you should, I have a firm belief that you shouldn't need to do breath training. 
you shouldn't need to have to get out into nature. Yeah. You shouldn't need to uh, play sport to keep fit. Yeah. That should just be inherently built into your life yeah. because you're a human being. And that's what nature used to provide for us. Mm. But we got so smart that we removed ourselves from nature. And now our bodies are suffering big time with it and our minds are. And now we have to find our way back there. Yeah. Um, and, and embed some of those things in consciously. So that we become not only great thinkers, but also great beings as well, yeah. great human beings. It's, it's a great assessment tool <laughs> to go and if you were to tell someone, okay, eat, um, you're going to eat all natural food there for the next seven days, come back and tell me how you feel. And someone might come back and say, hmm, all right, well, that's not a high priority for you because you're probably already eating a lot of natural food. Yeah. Someone come back and say, oh, Leo, I feel fucking brilliant. Well, this is a priority <laughs> for you. <laughs> Because the greater the, the like the fact that you feel so good yes. means that you're at such a deficit here, and the same could be said yeah. for. Um, the reverse is true too, though. Yeah. Um, let's say uh, you tell somebody to go off coffee, go mm. off coffee for a week, and oh, I had headaches and shivers yeah. and shakes, and I couldn't do it. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe there's a reason for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that kind of brings us full circle too, Neil. Is um, because yeah. that brings you out of, you know, the depths of where you've been. And we've had a good conversation as well about the broader, how we're viewing where people are at um, and young people are at at the moment. Yeah. Um, you've now decided to, you, you did go back to football, right? I did. I went back. Um, yeah, was in. So you me. came out and your body was feeling physically good and you wanted to give it, a, give it another lash. Yeah, yeah. Um, body was feeling good. Um took my football a little bit less serious was less hard on myself um i happened to have a, a really good now this year i didn't have a great year with the with the club a lot of my focus um was on building a business and mm -hmm. building a home that sort of stuff um so i've got unfinished business there with football yeah <laughs> Do you know, well, but I'm forty and I still feel like I won't finish with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and 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 it's a it's a it's an unsettling feeling because, you know, to finish now now I'm not finished. Like I'm going away traveling for a year. Um, might play a bit of ball there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm definitely gonna play football when I come back. And one of the things, I'd like to, pride myself on is that I'll still be performing when I'm, thirty four, thirty five. Now I might be at a different role. Mm -hmm. Do you know it might not be the same that I used to, but to still have the body in such a good condition that I can still be turning up the training, and I might okay have to take a training off every now and then. Mm -hmm. But that's a goal of mine is to have the body in good enough nick to be able to be playing football at a high enough level, well, club level, senior level at thirty four, thirty five. Well, here's the thing, when, you, when you've got good, strong bases, just like a pyramid, and you've got a broad yeah. base to pull from, then the specialization comes real easy, especially when you're not when you're not looking right under county at 36 when you've been away, yeah. but you're looking to lead a, a, a great life across yeah. a, a broad platform. Yeah. Like, I'm still doing judo and competing in judo at 40. Yeah. And, and loving it. And I can still... I'm, oh, by the way, I know judo players who are doing it in their 60s. I'm like, oh my God, that's unbelievable. Yeah. I, I've seen stuff online where you see, you know, men and women competing up in their 90s. There's a Netflix program and they're like, yeah. they're, they're 94 and they're in their world championships for sprinting. And <laughs> I think I'm in the long run. It's brilliant. Like, I, I, I want to be doing that. I, 
I want to be living into my 80s and 90s um, as long as I got the love that's around me mm. and the community that's around me I want to be active I don't want to be sitting sitting in a in a nursing home just waiting for the Grim Reaper to come waiting for that day when you stop moving you're, you're, you're dead yeah you know so like the when the level of your movement and it could be as subtle as the breath yeah once the breath finishes and the heart stops all movement has seized in the body you're dead so if you maintain a level of movement obviously when you're when you're in your later years naturally the the body comes becomes slightly weaker in certain areas mm -hmm. like if you keep up your strength training you'll still have your bone density and stuff like that mm -hmm. but the the now i'm not old um and i don't know um i don't know if there's research to match this but i do remember watching the documentary about this uh, god i can't remember what his name was um this he was 70 something maybe 75 and he ran ultra marathons um still in his 70s but his whole thing was like once i stop moving once mm -hmm. i start living like a 75 year old and okay. you know all my nieces and nephews and all are telling me you know granddad or you know or mm -hmm. uncle whatever or grandchildren are like you need to stop you know you're getting old you know if if he listened to them this was his philosophy if he listened to them mm -hmm. he'd be old and he'd be dead so that's kind of I'm basing my philosophy off a seventy-five-year-old man who runs ultra marathons, who lives in a bus in some America, uh, American forest somewhere in, in the outback. Mm -hmm. Do you know? But he was in his later years of life, and he was thriving, mm -hmm. living out of a school bus in a forest. Enjoying life. Do you know what I mean? Enjoying life. And Love so, it. yeah, once you stop moving, you're dead. Yeah, but there is there, there's a good few guys still around, even playing senior division one ball. Um, at club level, um, in the in their late thirties, early forties, yeah. there's no reason. Like physically, there's no reason it it's if your body can hold up and if you're aligned to it. So yeah, yeah. I yeah. look forward to uh, going to one of your matches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll save myself. To yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Neil. That is a. I don't know. I think it's been a fantastic conversation. Yeah. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure that there'll be at least one person out there that's listening to this going. Yeah, that was a pretty random conversation, but Very actually there was so, there was parts of it that were so deep as well that yeah. uh, I think there's a lot to be said for it, so. Yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of holes dug there, yeah. ha half dug, Yeah, that could yeah. be, we could go a lot deeper on them. Absolutely, um, and that's why I'm, I'm holding this too, and I hold an open invitation as well that, mm -hmm. you know, a year, two years, five years down the line, um, that you want to come back on as well and just share the developments in your life and how you're progressing on, like I'm all for that. Um, because I think it's it's great to see people at different stages of their own journey and yeah. seeing how they're getting on and how their thoughts have changed and my own too. Like yeah. in ten years time the two of us could be on I remember that podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one that made you famous Leo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but from where we stand, I just think, you know Yeah we're we're both aligned to the same kind of underlying philosophies. I love what you've done in terms of the rites of passages and I think that's really valuable and I've had my own in my life and mm. um, I think that broad base of um, understanding of life or of experiences in life is really really important and, and of physical training I think that community with the men's circle is uh, is is hugely important for people today yeah usually and, and ladies too for, for, ladies for young and old yeah because there, there is this this the, the women's do my girlfriend runs them um with one of our friends uh Manal Legras, i think they call themselves on instagram Brilliant. um 
And again, that's just just as powerful to have the women doing their work and the men doing their work and then and coming together, together too. Yeah, which is beautiful. Like it's brilliant. It's, yeah. Well, listen, enjoy your time away in Australia. I will. Have loads of fun. I will, and, uh, certainly. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah. <laughs> have a good one, man. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you found value in the episode, then please take action on something you learned today and share with like-minded friends and family. And until next time, have fun and keep moving forward.